So, in the following share, I'd like to take a small break from the topics that we've been learning here or discussing here in Kailo. And I want to go off onto another topic entirely, uh, which, is, which may also be of interest. Uh, before we get to the topic, I just want to introduce it by saying that when you live in this day and age, we're influenced in thousands of ways, consciously or unconsciously, by the world around us. And there are all kinds of assumptions, tiny assumptions, large assumptions that accompany us through our lives. And we don't necessarily stop and pause and ask, you know, where does this assumption come from? And is this a recent thing? Has this been around forever? So the example we're going to discuss right now comes from the field of Chesh and Mishpat and the world of law and lawsuits. And it's the sort of basic assumption we have today that you can sue and demand compensation for emotional distress. Meaning there's no malva and leva, there's no shutfim, no mazik, no yerusha, but there are all kinds of ways that you could ruin someone's life, whether short term or long term. And the, the notion today is that you're entitled to demand compensation if someone caused that. The question therefore is, uh, where does this assumption come from? When, does it, when did it uh, emerge? And is there any such concept in halacha? If you'd like to know how I got to this question, so did, was, uh, did come up due to Maisa uh, Shahoya, something that came uh, to my attention. Can't really uh, share any of the details, of course. But very, very broadly, someone or some people did a certain avla to someone else, whatever it was, and then uh, after a while, there, there were those timing that that essentially uh, destroyed his life, you know, from the inside, you know, totally, long term. So it's Kaviachal, uh, these people's fault. Now, there is such a possibility, we know... Uh, uh, just the distress can cause a person to have severe, uh, severe reaction, whether uh, mentally or even physically. So the question is: Is there any? Is there anything? Is there any claim here? Is there any argument to be made? Any suit, alpitaira, beyond whatever the original issue was? So when I looked into it a little bit, I didn't find any direct. Uh, I didn't seem to find anything directly addressing this in such an extreme in such an extreme way. Doesn't mean there isn't. And if anybody is aware of anything or finds anything, I'll be happy to know, happy to hear. But the closest discussion, the closest topic that I found was the general broad discussion that there is today about this concept of emotional distress. And when we see how we deal with that, well, Mamela also understands how we uh, deal with the bigger questions. Now there is, before we go forward, I'll note there is a very somewhat, uh, very or somewhat related uh, concept which is suing for defamation. So in defamation, libel, it's also a bit of an abstract nezek, um, but it could have very, very real consequences. So in that sense it's similar, but on the other hand, uh, it has its own, it's in its own category, and as we shall see, it's been around for uh, the concept. Rec recognizing that type of damage is, is really in a bit of its own category. 
Now the first thing in halacha you might think of when you hear this question is, uh, what about baishas? Isn't there a concept of baishas? So when you mazik someone, pay them to make baishas. Seems like you're paying for some kind of internal emotional uh, reaction. A person feels embarrassed. It's a feeling. But, but as we shall see, this is not, it's not simple at all. But at any rate, we're going to try to focus mostly on the more abstract abstract situations, especially if sometimes there isn't even any shame per se. It's not necessarily that everyone's walking around and, and shaming someone in the street or it feels like people are talking behind their back. Someone can have a, an adverse reaction to something, to an avla, that's fully inside their own head as well. So it could be as, when we speak about emotional distress, it could be even beyond really the category of Baishas anyway. But where does, this, where does this idea come from? So now, this is not, uh, not law school, we're not here to learn uh, Gaisha law, but I think it is a little helpful to get an idea of these concepts and where they come from. So I'll just quote a bit from what you can find easily online. So there's two categories in English law, American law. There's intentional infliction of emotional distress, meaning you did it by Kavana, you wanted them to have a, an adverse reaction. So this concept in law, in common law, common law means that sort of the judges made it up as they went along. No one ever passed such a law, but it is part of the common law of tort, where you can sue for being hurt. So you're, you're able to recover for severe emotional distress caused by another individual who intentionally or recklessly inflicted emotional distress by behaving in an, quote, extreme and outrageous way. This a concept was introduced because at some point you start realizing that if you only are judging for actual assault, so you'll have a lot of situations that aren't covered by actual assault. What do you do then? This idea started being discussed, according to this, in England in the late 1800s. So, a quote from uh, the 1860s, a saying, mental pain in, in some some decision handed down in 1861, mental pain or anxiety the law cannot value and does not pretend to redress when the all-lawful act causes that alone. Though where a material damage occurs and is connected with it, it is impossible a jury in estimating it should altogether overlook the feelings of the party interested. Meaning if there's a Nezik Gufni, then part of the Nezik includes also how it felt. It's hard to separate the two things. But if it's just... And as a knafshi, just an emotional thing, as late as 1861, they were still saying that's not, a, that's not something the court has anything to say about. Right? So you can, you can prank someone, you can shock them very severely, you can have full intention of trying to hurt them, but if it's just shock without impact, it's just words and feelings and reactions, so that was barred. Then, somewhere around the 1880s, the 1890s, there was the shift, a case of uh, someone who ran a railroad in a, in a ne with negligence, so that had some kind of uh, negative impact on the people on the, on the railroad. So the question was, are they chive or not? So they started, uh, they started creating this concept, they started broadening this concept. And there was this big case where someone decided to prank a woman. He came and told the woman that uh, her husband was in a terrible accident and she reacted just physically and emotionally and in a very, very extreme way. Mamish seemed to like, ruin her life. 
And uh, this is in 1897, they officially accepted and declared that they're uh, being mechaev for intentional infliction of mental shock. And that's where the idea picked up from. The second category is negligent infliction of emotional distress, where you're stand behaving negligently, you're not taking whatever it is seriously, you had no intention, you had no machshava about the other person's feelings, maybe that's the problem. You should have been thinking about their feelings, but it's not like you're out to hurt them in any way. And when you look this up, right in the first sentence, it's a controversial you know, area of law due to, uh, the, I guess, the, mainly the issue of Ein Ladover Seif. Um, and apparently this concept arose as late as the 1960s. Courts in America in the 1960s started slowly accepting this as a complaint as well. In one case, it was uh, the person sued for, due to negligence, let's say in a factory, whatever it was, he witnessed the death of a relative from a distance. So he wasn't actually in the zone of danger. He was not at any threat from this calamity, but he was close enough that he witnessed it, and just witnessing it caused him emotional harm. So, Supreme Court of California, 1968, this is the big case where they said, oh, you know what, we're going to be Machai of Nezak. And then, in, two years later, they went to another court in another state, went, went even further and said that uh, if you negligently cause flood damage to someone's home, so there's, uh, the emotional distress caused by that is a, also a basis for suing. So that's, it's literally as late as the 1960s and the 1970s here in America. You can look up uh, in Israel, similarly, there's a, it's called Nezek Bilti Mamoni Tahar. You can see how it developed in Israel as well. Of course, there are many different categories and subcategories here. We're not, we're not getting into all the legal minutiae, how you brought about the harm, uh, you know, it, was it, did it accompany any actual physical harm or damage, or, or totally not? Um, but as we, as we have seen, this concept, certainly in its most abstract form, or when it's totally unintentional, is a very, very, very recent concept. And you have to uh, do, you know, look at it accordingly. Even if by now, by today, it's almost become an obvious thing. You know, the first thing a person thinks when someone uh, bavles them is, oh, can I people that are litigious, uh, can I sue them for emotional distress? So I saw someone as Matsayan to a tshuva by the Sherlem Eshev, famous Rav of Yosef Shel Nottenzen of Lemberg, very famous for his tshuvas, who Taka discusses the concept of Baishas and Halacha and seems to come up with a broader definition. And we'll go through the tshuva and that will be our way of familiarizing ourselves with where Halacha stands on this Indian. If you look in Shutcher Lameshev, Madura Tinyana Chelek Dalad Simon Samartas. So uh, he has an interesting, uh, starts off with interesting Sikhsuch and Cheshen Mishpat. be interesting to share, but I don't think we have the time for it. After he finishes discussing that, he says the, the question touched on Asmachta. Right? So Asmachta is you are Mishayah for something, you commit, but. It's not a fair commitment. You're not really getting something necessarily worthwhile in exchange. And there's a good chance that uh, you're hoping, at least, that you're not going to lose the money, right? So the classic case, of course, is uh, gambling. Game's a chance. 
So if you lose the money, it doesn't really seem fair that you lost the money. What was it in exchange for? But the reason why you agreed is because you thought you had a chance of winning. Once you lose, the argument is, is that uh, if you would have known that you were going to lose, you never would have gone into it in the, to begin with. So you weren't fully committed, you didn't fully agree. And that's the issue of Asmachta. So the Sherlock Meshav, seemingly when he printed the, the Chuvas, he says, once I'm speaking about Asmachta, so I'll mention a different story. He says, uh, someone made Kishrei Chitun, a Shidduch with a woman, and there was some kind of, they were waiting for some kind of financial development, seemingly that uh, she had to raise a certain sum to be the Nadan, up until a certain point. And they made their own agreement, as we'll see later, there's a concept of Knas and Shadduchim, but this sounds like it was their own agreement, that if she doesn't get the money by a certain time, she's not canceling the Shadduch, she, she just doesn't get the money up until a certain time, then they gave, both of them gave money to a, a third party, if she doesn't get the money by a certain time, he collects his money and her money that she deposited. And she didn't make it, she didn't get the nedunya that had been discussed. So the question is, is there some kind of asmachta here, right? She agreed to lose the money, but it was only on the assumption that she was going to make it in time. So is there an issue of asmachta here? So he says, this is, of course very much related to the concept of knas in Shaduchim, which is a much uh, earlier, older concept. So if you look in Shulchan Aruch, Simon Reish Zayin, in Chesha Mishpat, Reish Zayin, Sifta Zayin, so it says there, the Mechaber writes, when Chachmi Svarad wanted to get around the Asmachta, they had a certain uh, legal trick uh, that they would do to get around it. And the Mechaber says they did that for Kol HaTznoim Shabayin Odom Lishter B'Shaduchim, and then the Bechaber adds, You don't have to do that whole shtick, because the knas for someone who backs out in the shidduch is not an asmachta. Because there's also an element of busha here. It's not just, oh, you didn't meet your uh, obligation. By breaking off the shidduch, it's always shameful for the other party. So that somehow gets rid of the asmachta issue. The Ramah adds, that that's what they did in Ashkenaz, they just made a knas, they didn't do any uh, fiction, any tricks around it. But you do need a kinyan. Right? One thing we do, uh, we do till today is a kinyan. As, uh, you know, Derek Hagav were mentioning this, so the, the source to, to look up on this is Sefer Tnoim Vart Edison Venisum Ayrabar 11 goes through the Nyanam and the history. Uh, bottom line, he writes in the beginning that it seems that around the time of the Altar Rebbe and his Talmidim, they had stopped, they stopped mentioning the Cherem, I'm old, they used to write a Cherem in the Tanoim. And by the time of the Tzemach they stopped mentioning the Knas. Up until then, for hundreds of years, there was a Knas, and by the time of the Tzemach you see the Knas starts disappearing. Right, so we, all we have left uh, is, the, is the Kenyan and the, the Shtara Tanoim itself, we write before the Chasana, the whole interesting history as to how the, those things originated and how what's left of them today. But rewinding back to the time of the Ramah, they were doing a Kenyan, they were doing a, they were writing a Knas, it was all the, they were writing with Tznoyim by the Shidduch. So the Ramah says, you need a Kenyan. 
So Charlemagne says, if you look in the shach there, the shach there and elsewhere says, no, you don't need a Kenyan. So he says that there's a Ktsais, Taka there in Simon H. Zion, who disagrees with the shach. The Ktsais says as follows. Let's take a look at the Ktsais itself. He says, if the Baishas by was real Baishas, that would be one thing. Then maybe we could discuss that there's no need for a Kenyan, because Baishas, Batsam, you're Mechoyev, it's Adim Baishas. But he says, Vadai, there's no din Baishas Gomer Baishaduchin. Because Baishas, as Halacha defines it, is that you're only Chayev at Shiyasim Maisa Begufa. You have to literally go over to someone and slap them on the face, something very physical, bodily, direct. So, like it says in Gemara, you look in a Chayvel, it says, if you spit, so your Chayev, if the spit goes on the person, but if the spit hits the clothing, you're already Potter. The Gemara says, why is that uh, any less than being Mavayash Bedvarim? So the Gemara says, yeah, in Achanami, if you're Mavayash Bedvarim, you're also Potter. So you see from this Gemara that it has to be an extremely close up physical act in order for the Din Baishas to apply. Mavayash Bedvarim is Potter. This is Baran Shulchan Aruch and Chesha Mishpatsim and Tav Chaf. He says, I, the Ksay says, I, there's a rush. And Balakama there. Well, let's take a look at the Rosh. The Rosh says, first of all, what's the reason? The Torah says, Vechzikov and Mavushov. So that sounds like a very, very uh, bodily, direct uh, busha. So we see from here that Torah, the Torah Chapton, Azar case, pretty extreme, that gives you a sense and a flavor for what kind of Baishas we're talking about. But Baishas Dvarim, or Rakakal Bigdais Potter, says, I, of Shira Gain wrote, uh, even for Baishas Dvarim, there's a Nidui, there's severe uh, consequences. And he says, Mestaber, the Rosh says, Mestaber, that uh, maybe Baishas Dvarim is even worse than Baishas Shel Chabala. The Eindover Gadol Koloshin Hara, Bediba Shadamitzial Chaveray. So here you actually see an example of libel, and you see it of Shiragain and then the Rosh, you see that they're taking it very differently and very seriously. And that seems to be universal. <coughs> Lahavdal as well. So I, so he says, I, it sounds like the Rush is saying that Baishas Bidvarim is worse, it's more intense, it could be more embarrassing. He says, no, look at the context there. The whole context is, is that it's a takana and a siag and a knas. It's not a real din Baishas. The Rush is just hyping up the kaviyachal, the, the concept, uh, so you should take it seriously, but it doesn't accomplish to the real din Baishas in China. And the Either a takana. That takana also doesn't apply here because that takana was for bali alashi. You have to literally defame someone. We're not talking about defamation here. We're talking about a few levels removed from that. So there's no dimbayishas. There's no takana. So, I the teisvus already. This magus vart of introducing bayishas to the knas of a shidduch comes from teisvus and paiskim. So the teis says no, no, no. It's a combination of things. You have the Kenyan, but the problem with the Kenyan is that it's an Asmachta, because they assume that the Shidduch would go forward. So to sidestep the issue of the Asmachta, you just need Epis or something. So the Baishas, not a real Dim Baishas, it's just Baishas is being added to the Kenyan to strengthen the Kenyan against the Asmachta. That's how all these concepts come together in the Knas of a Shidduch. I, there's a Maharik who writes on a Tshuva in some similar case that... Uh, even if they don't do a knas, so it sounds like the Marik 
did hold that there is a din boishas in these types of situations. He says, no, nah, the Marik is not clear. And Kvarka Savnu, that there's Vada, Eimba Mishum Boishas, Medina, unless it's a direct physical act. So that was all the Ktsais on this Shulchan Arach and Shach. And now the Shalom comes and reacts in response to the Ktsais. He says, in my opinion, this is wrong. Ah, you said in the Gemara, it says that if you, even if you spit on the clothing, you're potter. He says, Lafinius Daiti, that's referring to Baishas, that's a bodily and physical Baishas. You spit at someone, you're trying to hit them, you missed, you hit the baguette. So if you fell short of your aim, of your goal, of the physical type of Baishas, so then you're potter. He says, however, in Shaduchim, this is how he writes it, the Magia Lehanefesh Hasichli, that the whole Baishas takes place. In your mind, it's, it's a, an emotional, mental process taking place. That's where the whole situation is unfolding. He says, that's even worse than hizik begufay. That's even worse than bodily harm. So, it's a whole different category that even if you didn't do ma'isa begufay, you're avad achayev. Then he quotes an interesting thing. He says, Shalu l'chacham. They asked the wise man, Ma'u ha'bayshas? Amr l'ham ha'seichal. This comes, the marker, the first marker for this is in an interesting sefer called Sefer Tikkun Midas Hanafesh by Shlem Ivan Gabiro from early, uh, time of the Rishonim in Spain, very early on, or Piyutim, philosophy, Musr. It was a work written in Arabic, it was translated then by Ivan Tibbin, and there are, of course, newer editions and translations today. So he starts, he has a paddock on these midas of Baishas, and he starts off by saying, they asked the wise man, what is intelligence? And he said, shame, and he asked him, what is shame? And he said, intelligence. In other words, the two sides of the same coin. Interestingly, in the more modern, uh, more recent translations, the Dafka don't translate that word from Arabic, whatever it is, as Baishas, but that's a slightly different thing. It would also be interesting to know if it's a l'chacham. It sounds like he's taking it from an earlier, or maybe not Jewish source, but didn't get to the bottom of that. From there, it's quoted by the, by the Rashbats in his Pirish Maganavas on Pirkeyavas. So what do you see from this pisgum, from the chacham? That self-consciousness, self-awareness, a person feels shame. That's synonymous with being a developed intellectual being. That's part of our hallmark as humans, essentially. Animals don't feel shame. Human beings feel shame. The whole kav and that paddock and, and tikkun, midas and nefesh, is that shame is a very, very rudimentary, basic function that helps a human act as a human. Humans are motivated by shame, and it's important to keep that in mind. The person should be aware that I don't want to be ashamed, and therefore I should uh, calculate the, my behavior accordingly. So we're, that's, in that context, it's like, it's like a self-help uh, context, so to speak. But he's plucking it from that, even in Perkeyavis, I think the Maganavis quotes it in the context of Baisha Spanam Laganedim. I think it's referring to how, maybe how you, how you behave to other people. At least the Sherlameshev is taking it and applying it to how you deal with other people. He's saying that that's what we are as humans. We feel shame. And... That's what we're trying to achieve and attain, that self-awareness. That is what's science, an interesting tshuva, and where he really he got those lines from. Chutam of the Tashbates, the Rashbats. 
So there's a, a section at the end called Chut HaMasholosh with Tshuvas from other Rabbanim. There's a section there with Tshuvas by Rav by the name of Bavram Ibn Tawa in Algiers. I don't have time to get into it. A very interesting uh, story. A bacher, he gives the kid's name, was Mefata, the neighbor's daughter. This guy was already engaged to someone else's daughter. They made it, they came up with a whole uh, arrangement that he'll marry the, the, the victim, the chulu, but he was already engaged. And meanwhile, the father of the daughter who was engaged to at this point didn't want to go ahead with that anyway. Out of drama, ultimately, he wrote a get. wasn't fully clear if he wanted to write the get, if this or that. There were my dice that, that he can't be chayzer boy when they made the shidduch. A little complicated. And then at some point, when that other person's daughter, who got the get, then got engaged, then the Bachar started screaming uh, that he never meant it, and he still wants to marry her. And Of course, he denies all the allegations about him. A big, a big mess. A lot of... Uh, a lot of drama, as we said. So at some point, it came down to, was the get a good get? Was it not? So he uses this yesoid. He says that b'chalal, when you attach money to a get, it helps you sidestep all the maidois, all the statements that you made that said that I don't mean it, it's not for real. Once you attach a financial gain to it, you say, oh, in exchange for the financial gain, he was involved all the maidois, the get was real. So he says, in this case, Part of the deal for writing the get was that they, they came up with this whole arrangement to help this kid save face. That they should write a document that the reason why they're, she's getting divorced is not because she suspects him and not because they uh, don't want to marry him anymore and they're not accusing him of any allegations. And he also, he writes that he only is just purely of his own volition that he decided he wants to marry someone else. It was very important to them to save face. And in this context, the Bavram Ibn Tawa says that there's nothing like saving face. There's nothing like saving yourself from shame. Especially if you have ma'at havchana, a little self-awareness. Then he quotes, and all those l'shoyness, that uh, a human, by definition, wants to avoid anything that can shame him in this way. It goes through, about the chaymer, you know, being a vayasha person, it all comes together to make this case that saving, saving face is a very powerful thing. So in that case, he said, that means that uh, the get was a good get, because instead of getting money, he got something even better. He got this whole deal to save face. So there, the context is boishas from something like that. Here, we're just talking back to the Shilamesh. We're just talking about the boishas, and no one's accusing anybody, no one's alleging anything. It's just a shidduch that, uh, that didn't work out. But that's how far the Shilamesh wants to expand this concept. He says, there's a pagam lahanefesh, how a person feels about it. Even though you never did anything to the person, so you see clearly from Chazal this same argument. someone is very, uh, very chomer. So that is powerful enough. He disagrees with the Ktsais. The Ktsais said Baishas is like a, a fake Baishas that bolsters the Kenyan, that has the Asmachta. According to, according to um, the Sherlameshiv, who's agreeing with the Shah, he's saying you don't need a Kenyan because the Baishas is real, and because the Baishas is real, it gets rid of the Kenyan issue, the Asmachta issue, it's all out of the picture. He says, it's also for Anfers, is a shot of Edis Hagar Shuni. 
that asks in a similar type of question, like, isn't there, like, even if you break a shidduch, you're not trying, you don't break a shidduch in order to shame someone, in order to embarrass someone. It's a byproduct. He talks about a case where uh, they wanted to break a shidduch, and the boy was screaming that everyone's going to look at me uh, funny, it's going to really uh, shame me and disgrace me. And the very Sagashuni was taking his side. He says, aye, what about the fact that they're not here to do it on purpose, and the khayra, the whole point is that you're, you're, it's intentional. But he says, no, he discusses it there. He says, in his opinion, uh, even according to Chazal, in this type of case, this is, but this is a discussion. So the Sherlock Meshav says, we can sidestep the whole back and forth with my Yisoyed. If my Yisoyed is, is that and we take that very seriously, uh, is a very, very severe thing, then Avada, even if Leniskav and Levayish, Mashenke and Gemara is talking about Beguf. <laughs> if you slap someone in the face by accident, you uh, the whole gather is that you're trying to hit them on purpose. But when you hurt someone, when you bruise someone emotionally, there it doesn't matter what your intention was. That's what he wants to say. So, therefore, in this case, he's very much taking the side of the man that uh, well, the woman didn't gather in the dunya in time takes his side, finds a few more makaitis, we don't have time to get into all of that, so we're going to have to cut it a bit short. So we, what we see here from this whole discussion, like I said, is we see the basic kalachi gather of Baishas, plus the Sherlameshev who is trying to expand it a lot further to seemingly include all kinds of emotional bruising and damaging. But Dafkin, the source where I came across this, which is a conscious um, seems to be like a Mizrahi Rabbanim type of organization in Israel. They put out a kuntras on Mamarim Besugiat Din Boshet Vlashon Online, you know, WhatsApp, websites, defamation. What does Halach have to say about it? It's a whole interesting kuntras. But in the middle, one of them, Yedidya Levi, writes about this general question. Does Halach, what does Halach have to say about Pitsui Agrimat Agmat Nefesh? And uh, he says, you know, of course we know, uh, we know about Baishas, but uh, it doesn't apply in the types of cases we're talking about. And Bechlau, Baishas is not even one of the things that based in is done, Bizman And therefore, the reality is that based in almost never deals with claims of Agmas Nefesh. He's trying to make the case, though, that maybe there are some exceptions. And then he brings the Sherlameshiv, and he himself says, Omnam. Allah is not possible like the Sherlameshiv and look around. But they didn't, are not uh, requiring people to pay for Agmas Nefesh. And Shiduchim is its own special category, the Knas, whatever that is. And, you know, if you're interested in the topic, I recommend looking there further. And defamation in particular, there's a lot more been written about that in the last couple of years. And from looking around, I almost did not see anybody quoting the Sherlameshiv, so it doesn't seem to have been particularly influential, like he said, Lahalacha. Uh, and if you look online, different questions, and look in Svarim, different questions. Whenever the, when they describe Chesha Mishpat, contemporary Chesha Mishpat questions, whenever the question is, oh, can I get Pitzim Alagmat Nefesh? The answer basically is always, well, no, of course not, it's not a thing. I just want to conclude with an interesting uh, article that I found. There's a kaivet called Mishnat Yosef, Talmidim of Avadji Yosef, from Tav Shanai and Vav. There's a rabbi, his name is Yosef Chai Simantov. So he's asking about buses in Israel. A lot of Agmas Nefesh people get from buses in Israel. Lots of opportunities for that. So what if 
you're late to something important, it's their fault, or let's say they didn't pick you up and you had to pay for a taxi. These types of questions. So first he establishes that direct damage like that, oh, relatively direct damage like that, they're Avada Potter from. It's a grama, it's too indirect for Hilchus Nezak. The question is, what about this Ogmat Nefesh? You see all kinds of examples, whether you're being squeezed in the bus, or whether they skip the stop. I don't know how you can complain about both things, but, uh, you know. Uh, and he says, I noticed, I realized that, the non-tired, non you know, I can't say not Jewish, because it's Israel, but uh, non-tired courts charge, you know, exorbitant uh, amounts, they require exorbitant amounts for emotional distress, and in Batidin, there's nothing. Right? Because there's no such thing in halacha. I, what about baishas? Baishas has to be very physical, very bodily. What about tsars? Tsar is also on the list. No, tsar is also tsar begufay, not tsar halev. So he's trying to argue, maybe we can, it's interesting to see how he's writing, like maybe we can come up with some kind of basis, maybe we could introduce the category of agmat nefesh in halacha, maybe dinat ha-machusadina, that's the whole popol, dinat ha-machusadina applied to the state of Israel. And does it apply to things that are not tax-related? The government doesn't have a vested interest here. What about Minika Medina? If, if everyone sort of accepts that this is something you're required for, maybe we could say it's Minika Medina. But you can't say it's Minika Medina because Halacha says you're not chayv, so you can have a Minika against Halacha. But what's the explanation? Why, why Taka? He says, why is it not a concept in Taina? So he says, if you look, it says in Gemara Babakama that... If, uh, if you hit someone directly on the ear and they become deaf, but if you blow a loud sound near their ear, and even if it causes deafness, garnished. What's the reason? What's the explanation? Because we say that you didn't do anything. Whatever happened to him, it's like his fault. He shouldn't have gotten shocked. He shouldn't have gotten taken aback. So with this Yisoyed, he says, this is the big Yisoyed according to Allah. Whatever happens to you, it's up to you to respond with equilibrium. You have to figure out how to handle things, uh, fastballs that life sends your way. And if Lamaisa, that's not what happened, then according to Allah, according to Torah, that's all in your head. And it's very sad, very unfortunate, very sympathetic. But, uh, you know, all these mamarim, all these memnis, they all stand to bolster this concept. He says, so you see some examples, related examples of this in more recent Shuvas. Someone, needs, someone really desire, is very desirous of a certain object. Right? We know in halach, if someone's desirous of a woman, we say, uh, let him die, we don't care. But here, he's desirous of an object. So they asked him, Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld and Salmas Chaim. The doctors say he's, his health is, he's, he's going to lose his health. It's driving him crazy. He said, oh, Leis Achmed. You know, it's his problem, you know. Why should we uh, help him, you know, let him get over it? He says, more recently, Bitzak uh, Zilberstein, Chashuke Chemed, there's a Yerusha, a fight over Yerusha, one guy won the, the family heirloom, Menaira, but the other guy, they say, his mom is going to become so sick, it's going to, the doctors say, he brought a note from the doctor saying, he's, uh, we'll kill him. He says, no, no, you have a problem, uh, you know, uh, get over it, figure out how to get over it. Again, why should we, uh, why should we cooperate with that? So based on this, he says, that's Taka the Hezber, Alpitaira, why, in fact, as a rule, maybe there are some exceptions here and there, and I recommend those interested can always look into more, Makairis, but as a rule, 
his conclusion is, is that, back to his question about the bus company, uh, you know, the bus company is not responsible for any emotional distress caused by uh, the way they run their business.